today on the Finch and the Pharaoh. Pascal Siakam signs a four-year extension with the Toronto Raptors. Also speaking of the Raptors, they open their season tomorrow night against the Pelicans, a Zion-less Pelicans. Uh, over to the Leafs, we got the Leafs played the Bruins on Hockey Night in Canada. We're going to discuss that. And then the World Series. It's all set up. Washington and Houston. Let's roll that intro. You're listening to The Finch and the Pharaoh. The Finch and the Pharaoh. This is The Finch and the Pharaoh. On Spirit Live. Well, we're finally back here for our second episode. We, uh, we're on a little bit of a hiatus, uh, mainly because of Reading Week, obviously. But yes, glad to be back here. My name is Jackson Farrow. Zach Finch spoke previously, and man, Zach, I'm excited for this show today. We've got Raptors to talk about, lots going on with them. They start tomorrow night. Uh, we got Leafs talk, lots going on with them. A big statement went on Saturday, and of course, the World Series kicks off this week. It's the best time, one of the best seasons of sports right now. Yeah, no, definitely the best time of year to be a sports fan. All the leagues starting back up with the NHL and the NBA, NFL is already underway, and then World Series, nothing beats October baseball. Absolutely. So uh, I guess we should start. You want to start with the Raptors here? Yes, sir. It's time for some Raptors talk on the Finch and the Pharaoh. Thank you, voice guy. Really appreciate that. Voice guy's been putting in work on those transitions, and we finally got to air them because we kind of forgot to air them in our first show. It was after all the pilot episode, but this is the real deal now. So, Zach, I mean, the biggest news coming out of Raptorland, uh, I mean, obviously they play tomorrow night, Against the Pelicans here, they're going to be raising the banner. They're going to be, you know, getting their rings. The whole deal. It's going to be. It's going to feel exactly like it did in June. Yeah, no, it's going to be a big night. Um, also going into it, uh, Pascal Siakam, fresh off a new contract, he got a four-year max worth 130 million dollars for the Raptors. So we'll see how he performs. Especially, we're going to see how he performs without Kawhi. Probably more double teams are going to go towards him. So we'll see how they play against uh, the Pelicans team last. Yeah, I mean, what do you want to get into first? Do you want to get into the game tomorrow night, or do you want to get into the Siakam contract? Because I feel like both are so juicy. Let's let's get to the uh, Siakam contract, because that happened uh, before, but we'll definitely touch upon uh, the home opener tomorrow. All right, so Siakam, I mean, four years, $130 million. He gets the four-year max uh, for the slot that he is, which, you know, we were up at Queens this weekend. A lot of people were talking about it and saying, overpaid. Like, this guy's had one good year. That's been the narrative. And, yes. you know... I think there's a lot more to it than that. It's a very layered situation. This guy's coming off more than just one good year. It was one of the better years we've seen out of a young Raptor in a long time. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about it earlier over this weekend, and um, like we were saying, every single year he has developed, every single year he has improved, going from G League MVP or Finals MVP for that matter, uh, to most improved player in the NBA. And now, like I mentioned uh, previously, no Kawhi. So Siakam's going to be the go-to guy for the Raptors. A lot of people think uh, Lowry's in there, but real fans know it's going to be Siakam. He's poised to have a way better year this year. But also, then again, how much did his uh, season last year, how much did that play off Kawhi? Yeah, you talk about being the go-to guy. You know, Now he's going to get those double teams. He's going to get a lot of the attention. He's going to be the focal point uh, on the opponent's um, you know, radar, I guess you could say. When they're, when they're playing their defense, you know, in the weeks prior and the days prior, they're going to be looking at Pascal Siakam. Last year, they were looking more at Kawhi, right? So can he handle that? And now he's got the money that says he should be able to handle it. I don't know if he can. That's something that he's going to have to show. Masai and Bobby Webster obviously feel that he can. Yeah, and a uh, very tricky situation because for years, a lot of people are questioning mm. the length of the contract. Uh, 
a lot of people were thinking maybe a one or a two year to kind of see what he's all about. Almost like a bridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, Siakam, a lot of teams, especially in the U.S., because they don't watch Canadian basketball, um, think he's overrated, thinks that he shouldn't have even deserved uh, the most valuable player. A lot of people thought it should have went to someone else. And speaking of which, uh, preseason action against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the fans had something to say to Siakam. They sure did. Though, that you don't often think about when you're watching his game, how strong he is. He can explode off guys. He can create space because of the way in which he really bodies up but also bounces off so quick. And you'll watch it in, your in the drives and watching the way he creates shots. But for his size and for the slender build that you think about. Yeah, so overrated, Jackson. What do you think about that? You know, I think that's classic New York uh, banter, if you will. I think that people in New York, they just... Brooklyn just got good this past summer when they got KD and Kyrie. Listen, and the Knicks have been bad for, you know, since time began. But I think that New York fans just don't have anything else to say to the Raptors right now, after all, the, they are the NBA champions. They've dominated the Atlantic division for a long time. I think for Nets fans, it's just something to say. Remember how we used to be as Leaf fans, Zach? When, if you're a Leafs fan, you would go, and if the Habs were good, you'd go, and you would, I mean, maybe not you, because you like the Habs, but if you're a Leafs fan, you would go, and you'd chirp the Habs, no matter what, right? No matter how yeah. bad the Leafs are, and no matter how good the Habs are, you always chirp them, no matter what. And I think the same thing is happening there in Brooklyn. Yeah, and um, it's not just Brooklyn, I feel like. It's mm -hmm. it's always been Canada versus all yep. in terms of the NBA. Um, That's a lot of this debate. It's not even like he's... They don't even think he's overrated. They just don't like Canada. They just don't like the Raptors, and they don't like that Siakam won most improved player. And they don't like the fact that um, we won the championship and the fact that um, they're all looking at Kawhi. They're saying Kawhi won this, not Toronto. And I think if that were the case, Kawhi should be dropping over 100 points per game. But he didn't, so therefore I say the Raptors won. And yeah, Siakam, the stats speak for themselves. He shot over 50% the entire year. If that's overrated, I don't know what is at this point. Yeah, and, and I think one thing, too, is you have to remember, Siakam started playing basketball nine years ago, right? That's and now huge. he's gone from, you know, coming over from, I think it was Cameroon, going to New Mexico State, you know, becoming a, pretty much an afterthought over there. Ended up being a first-round pick, 27th overall. Nobody agreed with the pick. There's that one Forbes rating that basically rips Masai for picking him and saying, ah, you know, he's got no potential. Deontay Davis was still on the board, and yet... Now you're looking at a most improved player, an NBA champion, and $130 million in the bank over the next four years. Uh, but he has improved substantially year to year. Yeah, right? and, you, and you mentioned how he's only been playing basketball for nine years. That's insane. Usually these pros are playing since they can walk. Yeah. So the fact this guy's only been playing for nine years and he's been able to grow uh, so efficiently and is able to take on multiple roles mm -hmm. within a team. Um, again, all going back to the contract, it's the length. And this is going to be... This is going to be his year to prove himself. And, you know, he's really got to take charge of this Raptors team. And if you start playing basketball when you're 16, your body hasn't gone through the same, you know, rigor as someone who started when they were three or four or five, right? Mm -hmm. You look at a guy like LeBron James, his body has a lot of mileage on it because he, he started playing basketball like from when he was very young. Right? He might have been a little bit old, not sure. Maybe a bad example there. A guy like Russell Westbrook, right? Um, someone who's a basketball, you know, his historian, like enthusiast, and Siakam isn't in the same boat, you know, Siakam just kind of picked it up at 16, so his body is still relatively fresh compared to the rest of the NBA, which is why maybe that's one of the reasons that Messiah decided, I feel comfortable with a four-year upwards of $30 million commitment to this guy.
Yeah, and you bring up a really good point about uh, not having as much mileage on his body. And you know who does have a lot of mileage on his body is Zion Williamson. Mm. As uh, him and the New Orleans Pelicans are coming to Toronto tomorrow for the season opener. A lot of the hype around this game wasn't even regarding the Raptors, the the banner raising, none of that. It was regarding Zion Williamson, who's not even going to play anymore. Isn't that right, Jackson? Yeah, and I think it's a a bit of a shame, too, that you know Zion is like kind of taking over the narrative, despite the Raptors literally being champions. Uh, but yeah, he's out six to eight weeks now. Uh, yeah, with that, just announced today. Yeah, just now with that, with that uh, what was it, a knee injury or a leg injury? Yeah, right knee. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think... Meniscus is that's bad, and he's already had the ankle injury last year with that famous shoe incident. So, and he's a guy, you know, you saw clips of him in high school dunking on people and running up and down the court, and he's big, he plays heavy. He's not, he's six seven and like two eighty five, so his body isn't meant to support that much weight going up and down the floor. I don't know, Zach. Like I really don't know about Zion, and I, I love the talent, and I see the potential, and I see the stardom there, very marketable, but the longevity. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, isn't he the the second heaviest player in the NBA, or the heaviest something his, around those lines? His height to weight ratio is his height to weight ratio is a huge <laughs> anomaly yeah. in the NBA. It's by the way, I guess we should we should maybe mention who that person was. That just talked. That's our graphic designer, Josiah Bosch. Yes, uh, yes. he is in Toronto today, and uh, he decided to stop by to provide his own insight. He's a huge basketball fan, and. I mean, you're, you you try to be. You follow the Pelicans pretty closely, don't you? I do. I have family who live in New Orleans, so I went to the it was a Pelicans Trailblazers game a couple of years ago. Uh, great to see Anthony Davis. Um, you know, Drew Holiday. Yeah. It was a really good game. Pelicans won, but I think since they moved there, I'm a big Saints fan too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, New Orleans is. I, I love the Pelicans Saints. So what do you think of Zion then? Um, honestly, injury prone is the first thing that came to my mind as soon as he kind of got drafted and even before he got drafted I was like this is just an injury waiting to happen obviously now he's out for six to eight weeks um he's been you know toted as maybe the biggest prospect since LeBron mm. uh maybe an unfair title maybe not I guess we'd have to wait and see but now that he's yeah. gonna be out for a month and a half yeah and we're gonna have to wait until you know December to see him actually play exactly and the team also was saying that it's not a serious injury, and for something not serious, six to eight weeks. I don't know about you guys. It that reminds me of the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Yeah, the Warriors to be and, yeah, the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. You know, but. it says it's a minor, minor sprain, and then he goes out there, and now he's out for a whole year, maybe even a year and a half, depending on his recovery. Uh, hope for a speedy recovery for Kevin Durant. But Yeah, well, Kevin Durant's another one, right? Same kind of thing as Zion, where he had a lot of mileage on that body, and he's been able to, uh, you know, play through that. And he's had a remarkable career, one of the all-time greats, as far as I'm concerned. He's getting there now, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but same kind of thing, big guy. But the thing with KD even is that he's not—he's not 285. No, right? No, like he's got a lot of length on him. Yeah, Zion. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Zion's like thick. Yeah, and that, hey, this this guy—if he's gonna want to survive seven plus years in the NBA, but he's got to shave at least 30 pounds, like oh, at yeah. least 30 pounds, because we were talking about how explosive, how fast this guy is. For someone of that stature, someone of that weight, it's not sustainable. As well, you the guys NBA is a whole different ballgame. Like no, exactly, I mean, you can dunk on everyone in high school, you know, stuff like that. When everyone's smaller than you, mm. or in university, still there's kids that were not nearly in his level. You go to the NBA, suddenly you got centers that are taller than you, bigger than you, heavier than you, more experienced, and you're gonna get pushed around. They're they're all stars, you know, they're Hall of Fame potential players. No way are you gonna be able to just walk in and dunk on them like you did at Duke who was injured there as well. 
Yeah, a lot um, of injuries there. He was also on a really good team there too, which RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish. Yeah, so I think that you know that may have even elevated him a little bit more. Although he has looked really good in preseason, I'll give him that. Uh, but like we mentioned, Zach, I mean, the atmosphere tomorrow's game should still be really good. But I think that with Zion out, um, the Pelicans aren't. They're not the same. They won't draw the same ratings as a Zion with with the Pelicans would. Yeah, and 100%. that that game was supposed to be a prime time game. It's supposed to be mm-hmm. like it's it's tipping off the NBA season. It's opening night. Yeah, it's opening night. The first game to be played, um, followed by the Clippers and Lakers. But yeah. uh, the whole point was the defending NBA champions versus Zion Williamson and the Pelicans, and the, the whole Zion aspect isn't even there. So no one's gonna watch that game. If anything, they're gonna watch it because they're feeding basketball. And yeah. honestly, they're probably yeah. going to want to watch the Clippers-Lakers later anyway, right? Everyone's going to want to watch the Clippers-Lakers. Yeah, I'm watching the Clippers-Lakers. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I'll probably watch it too. It's going to be an awesome game. That one's exciting. That one's cool too because they they share a building, right? And now you've got Kawhi, yeah. Paul George, LeBron, and AD, and you Kyle Kuzma. Four potential Hall of Fame players. All in the same building at the same all time. All in the same building. Not This is not an all-star game. This is a regular season game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be that game I'm pretty excited for. Do you think the crowd's going to be split? In LA, or do you think it's going to be? I think it's a Lakers town. Still. I think it's I, mostly I th- Lakers. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think Clippers are going to get some bandwagon fans, but I think just the culture of LA has always been the Lakers, and it's it's going to remain like that even with a star-studded Clippers team. And I'm looking at the uh, preseason power rankings here. Can you guys guess who's number one in the power rankings without looking? NBA. Yeah. Lakers. Nope. Clippers. That? Clippers. Yeah, it is the Clippers. Uh, Lakers are uh, Lakers are fourth. They have them below Philly well, wait, and I'm Milwaukee. I'm going to guess, yeah, Philly and Milwaukee. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Milwaukee uh, and Philly's been predicted to win the East. Yeah. Which I can't say. I mean, they added they added Al Horford? Yeah, Al Horford, yeah. yeah. That was their big yeah. their big offseason, besides Jimmy Butler. But they added Al Horford. Yeah. That's, and I mean, Josh like, Richardson's on that team now, too. Josh He's a nice little story. Too. That's a pretty good team. No kidding. And, I mean, I, I also look in the East, I think that... The East now is going to be a little bit watered down with the Raptors kind of taking a step back. Brooklyn's not going to be very... like Brooklyn will be good. They'll make the playoffs, but Katie's still they won't out. Be, they won't be competitive. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at three teams. I'm looking at Milwaukee, Philly, not Boston. I'm looking at Indiana as that Victor third Oladipo. team. Victor Oladipo. Yeah, Victor Oladipo. They added Malcolm Brogdon. You have Miles Turner, who's going to take another step. Mm-hmm. DeMontis Sabonis, got it. There you go. <laughs> He's going to take another step, too. So you've got four guys right there um, who... Can play at Those an all-star. Those four can win a playoff series. Absolutely, and they, a team similar to that took you know obviously with Paul George in the mix, but they took LeBron to seven a couple years ago. Some guys on that team, Miles Turner was there. You like to see something like that again this year, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, East is very watered down. Like the Raptors probably slide in in the top five, and no yeah. one's really given them a second I'd look. Say, you know what I mean? I'd and say even, top four if we click. Yeah, and also depends on how the season goes. We have that whole situation. We talked about it last, or not not last week, two weeks ago, about Lowry's one-year extension, mm-hmm. um, how that opens doors to possibly trading him this year, maybe next year. We also have Ibaka, Gasol, who are at the end of their contracts this year. I mean, year. I would hate to see any of them go, but I think we're at a point where we have to start not rebuilding, but retooling. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, as much as we love Lowry and as much as he loves living in Toronto, I think we could get, a pretty good exchange for him. No kidding. And I think one thing, too, for Masai is trying to capitalize on that value. Um, if you're a Raptors fan, as you are, Josiah, I think that you would want Masai just to make the smart move. Whether it's keeping Lowry or trading Lowry, 
if he makes a good trade, are you going to be pissed about that? No. I have a lot of faith in Masai. Me too. I mean, like, you heard, like, in, in Masai we trust. Yeah. The <laughs> but well. I, I do have a lot of faith in Masai. I mean, people say, like, oh, like, trading for Kawhi for one year, it's not worth it. DeMar would have given us. No, we won a championship. And you can't blame Kawhi for wanting to go home. It'd be like if you played in the NHL and you played for the, played for the Kings or the Ducks and you, your contract ends, okay, now the Leafs want you. Look at John who, Tavares. Tavares. Who yeah. wouldn't want to go? Right. John Tavares in New York. Exactly. Right? Pro- Here's thing. my point. Who wouldn't want to go home? You know, because now your parents can come out and see you. Your grandparents come and see you. Yeah. Um, so I can completely understand Kawhi leaving, but I think that was a good trade. Mm-hmm. And I think if Masai decides to trade Lowry or Gasol or Ibaka, I, I have faith in it. Even though, I mean, like, even if it's like for a draft pick or someone who we don't think is going to be good, look what happened to Siakam. Yeah, for sure. G League and now best player on our team. Exactly. And like you said, Masai and Masai we trust. Masai is probably the only uh, part of the Raptors organization that everyone else actually respects. People don't really respect the championship win more because Kawhi left. Um, No one's really looking at a lot in terms of the on-court product this year. Everyone's saying Masai is going to figure it out, and that's the only thing really going for the Raptors right now. And it's all on Masai's court because... Really, how he wants the season to go, that's the way it's going to go. If he wants to keep these guys, if he wants to ship mm-hmm. them out, um, either or, right? It just depends on how the yeah. beginning starts out. I mean, I have a lot of faith in the Raptors still. Yeah. I, mean, like, I, I think people forget the reason we won the championship is not because of number two. It's because of our bench. Because mm-hmm. our bench would consistently come out and you know put up 40, 40, 50 points a game. Even in big-time situations, you look at people like... Van Vliet, who's now a certified starter, there's no question. No question. Locked down Steph Curry in the finals. Yeah, and mm. you look at guys who took a step, like Siakam averaged, I think, 17 points in the regular season. He went up to averaging 19 in the postseason. He's right? going to be going 20-plus this year. Exactly. 100%. So to elevate your game like that, where you had guys up and down the lineup who were doing that, that's something that you can't really quantify in a trade. You can't really quantify on a depth chart. Um, yeah. Zach, is it time for a little break? Yes, for sure. We're going to head to break, but uh, to keep you guys occupied, we're going to be playing some Kings of Leon. It's Black Thumbnail, The Finch and the Pharaoh on Spirit Live. All right, welcome back to The Finch and the Pharaoh here on Spirit Live. Uh, we're here today joined by a special guest, our graphic designer, uh, Josiah Bosch, who's actually on camera right now if you're watching the Spirit Live web stream, which you probably aren't, but yes, there he is. Um, yes, so we sir. just we just talked a little bit about the Raptors and kind of... Uh, what they're going to be up to tomorrow night. It's a huge game, obviously the season opener against Zion, um, and a statement game in many ways. But speaking of statement games, uh, the Leafs beat the Bruins 4-3 in their first game without John Tavares, their newly anointed captain, uh, in overtime. What a great game that was. Um, Zach, your thoughts on that game? Big win against Boston. Yeah, definitely a statement win. Um, A lot of Leaf fans are still salty regarding last year but you know big win for for the buds and uh you know yeah just keep rolling this is another game at the end of the day right yeah absolutely you know what i think uh, i think voice guy needs to chime in here all right voice guy take it away now it's time for the finch of the pharaoh's take on the toronto maple Leafs. all right thank you voice guy yes very in-depth stuff from Voice Guy. Anyway, mm-hmm. yes, back to the conversation at hand. Mm-hmm. Leafs do beat the Bruins. Um, there are still a lot of things to look at in that game because a- everyone's looking at this as a potential playoff matchup. Why wouldn't you? You know, mm-hmm. three straight yeah. or three straight. Was it not been three straight? It's been two straight years. And two then straight, but 2013, like, 2013 was the, yeah. the big one. And so this, yeah, a huge potential playoff matchup. And 
you know what? I think this is if there were a playoff series against them, this is exactly how it's going to go yeah. in terms of it's right now. Be down right to the wire. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, in terms of offense, defense, Leafs allowed a lot of shots that game. Freddie Anderson uh, yeah. stood on his head at times, and they're just able to squeak out uh, a win in overtime thanks to Mitch Marner. Right. Yeah, I unfortunately missed most of the game, but I did see the end, and I mean, like we looked good. Um, Boston is still a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, it's pretty much the same team as last year. Uh, we haven't changed too much up front. We did add Tyson Berry, obviously. Cody Cece, um, Alex Kerfoot. They've all stepped up. They've been very good. Tyson Berry, obviously, getting a couple assists. Kerfoot chiming in from time to time. Even Cece getting on the board a couple times. So I think I, I'm more confident if we meet them in the playoffs this year. I'm more confident that we... We take it in six or seven. Yeah, and you, you, you mentioned defense. Morgan Riley got two goals, so yeah. there you go, including the OT winner. So. Turns out, yeah, I think the puck, Marner shot the puck, and then I think it, like, bouncing off Riley because they initially gave the goal to Marner, and mm-hmm. then they changed it. That's what it. I thought. I thought it yeah. was. Me too. Yeah, he, it was a nice shot. Mixed up, yeah, so it was. looked like it was Marner, but, yeah, Morgan Riley tacks on too. I think there's there's pros and cons to take away from this game, as there are with any. I like the Leafs' depth in this one. Like, Kerfoot and Timoshov both scored. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing to note, Freddie Anderson, good that he made 42 saves. Uh, he shouldn't have to make 42 saves. No, he should. No, there's no way he should have to take. There's no way against the team, even if it's Boston. Yeah. Um, and with the defensive core that we have, we should not be allowing 30 plus. No, and if you're if you're a Leafs fan, you're not even that happy with the fact that they only got. I mean, Halak only had 25 saves, which means that the Leafs only got what 29 shots. So they, so they got outshot us by. Almost double the amount. Yeah. Which, if we're playing a playoff series, like it's that's not gonna last. Not gonna, that's not going to hack it. Like we have to put up at least thirty plus. And I think Babcock, um, you know, it's interesting to see what he'll do now in Tavares's absence, because Tavares really is just a, a force to be reckoned with on both end, both ends of the ice. He can do a bit of everything. Uh, and with him out for two weeks, I liked Kerfoot on the second line, uh, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't mind seeing Nylander slide over to the center. On the second line. I wouldn't mind it. What do you guys think? That's a good thing about the Leafs is you mentioned their depth. They have a lot of potential line combinations. They've already been fiddling with the bottom six a lot this year, and there's still so much more they can do with it. Um, You have a guy like Spezza who's just being a healthy scratch half the time. He can always slot in somewhere. I mean, it's never a bad thing to have a veteran presence, right? No, especially not if it's Spezza. Like, he's definitely got... I mean, he's not the same player he once was, obviously. That's not why we brought him in. We're not bringing him in to put up 30 goals a year. No, but that's But I think, news. if necessary, he's a very good veteran to have on the ice. You know, like I said before, even if he's not going to be scoring all the goals, having him out there, especially in big-time situations, where he's been in those big-time situations, mm-hmm. he's definitely a good... Especially for a, b- a bunch of young guys like Mikheyev, Nylander. Uh, the list can go on and on. Yeah, I wonder, too... Uh, about that with Mikhaev, he's a good point. Do yeah. you try to slide him up, up the lineup maybe, or do you? I just think he's got keep... a lot of potential. Yeah, me too. He's looked wonderful, and he could definitely keep up because he's got the speed. Mm-hmm. He is definitely one of the faster players. And in he's the big. Yeah, yeah, he's got yeah. size big and body. speed. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I mean, like he's he's going nowhere but up. He's going to definitely improve. Uh, I'm excited to see where he's going to go. Um, not expecting like an 80 point season, but. No. I think maybe one day in a couple of years, you know, like that's that's where he's headed. Yeah, and and with that Tavares absence, guys like Mikheyev, Nylander, and Kerfoot need to step up. And Kerfoot's been doing that. I've liked Kerfoot's game on the third line, uh, and then moving him up to the second line, not a bad idea. But still, same problems arise with Tavares in or out of the lineup, with Kerfoot up or down the lineup. They're getting outshot. They've been getting outshot a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't looked 
there's been flashes, and I've seen the potential there with this team, and I've seen where it can look really, really good. But, man, they've had some stinkers as well. And a perfect game to touch on that would be uh, the rivalry, like the Habs-Leafs games, where the Leafs were up by three yeah. in the third period. Looked like the Leafs team everyone thought they were going to become this year or continue to be this year and uh, just and then collapsed they, on themselves. And then they looked like the team that everyone always expects them to be. In the back is, of their heads, which yeah. Which is the collapse. Yeah. No one says it. Even Leaf fans like us, um, like... It's, I mean, like, a Leafs collapse, well, we don't want it to happen. It's always kind of like an expectation, yeah. which I hate saying that, but... Yeah, not expected, but not surprised. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the same thing happened, oh, what was it? Well, in 2013. They, they, they collapsed the... Game seven. A game last week. Yeah, they've... I can't remember who was it was it Wash? Against. Washington, wasn't it? No, Washington is actually the game that uh, Tavares got injured, and yeah. he actually scored... Uh, right, he scored after he, he, he scored after he got yeah. his broken finger to bring within one. It just wasn't enough. And that right there, I think... It was, was that's the why Blues? he's their captain. That's why he's their captain. I think it was the Blues they might have collapsed against. No, like, I think... Uh, oh, it was the Blues, actually, yeah. yeah but they, it wasn't my a, games mixed up. It wasn't a collapse, but yeah. Either way, not the first time that we've had a lead. Mm -hmm. Could have had the game, and then... I mean, we almost—I mean, like we almost lost to Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa beat Tampa, but do you guys think it's even more important for Toronto to beat Boston on Hockey Night in Canada? You know, Saturday night in Toronto. Like, do you think that plays even more of a factor into the mental side of things? Yes. I, I personally don't think Hockey Night in Canada has a big thing to do with it because I feel like as a player, you're just going in there focusing on winning the game. Yeah. Obviously, it. the Leafs had in the back of their back of their heads. This is Boston. We need a statement win but not a statement win because it's hockey night in Canada. I don't think players are playing at 90% and they all of a sudden give it 110 because it's Saturday night. I don't think that's the case. But, hey, more eyes are watching on Saturday night, and so more people are hearing about this win, and a lot more people, you yeah, know you know what I, Leafs Nation's like? They always freak out. So they're like, oh, yeah, we got this series locked up, but hasn't <laughs> only a couple games in, fellas. Honestly, I think, we, I, th I think the boys stepped it up because of Boston. I mean, yeah. Hockey Night in Canada, like, I mean, obviously I said yeah when you asked the question. I think they stepped it up because of the team they were playing against. Hockey Night in Canada is a brand gimmick. It's not, you know, it's not like the they, they get paid more for playing in Hockey Night in Canada. They they stepped it up because it was, you know, black and gold. It's Boston. It's a team that we lost to last year. A lot of the guys on the team we have right now, I'd say 90% of the roster felt that loss. They still feel it. Yeah, they still get reminded of it, and even the guys who don't feel that loss still get asked about it in the media scrums. They still hear 100%. about it, right? Yeah. And they still hear about it on the streets, and they still hear about it when we end up watching TV at home. Yeah. So it affects every single one of them. And I think the atmosphere, just when Boston's in town, anytime Boston's in town, yeah. that game is so meaningful now with with this playoff rivalry. But is it even a rivalry if the Leafs haven't beat them? Like, don't you, isn't it for a rivalry? Don't you need both teams to have had moments where they've actually beaten the other team? I mean, you could argue it's a rivalry because all three have gone to a game seven. I guess there's the longevity, there's the yeah. tension there. Yeah, and but just you're the, all right. Like, but like also just the hatred between the two teams now. I feel like you see it every time they play each other. It's much yeah. more physical. Both teams are out there throwing the body around, and I think a lot of that comes from the Leafs side. You know, just being, you know, always down and out at the end of the day when it comes to game seven. And Boston's just a naturally bigger and naturally tougher team. So I feel like. Those two aspects just clash perfectly, and it creates a rivalry. I do see what you're saying in terms of uh, Leafs haven't had uh, the upside to that rivalry yet, but hey, um, 
hopefully it'll happen soon. Hopefully it happens soon. And, uh, you know, uh, again, early in the season, they they just beat them. The rivalry continues. And uh, they look to face Columbus in their next game. Yeah, and you mentioned the physicality. They have guys like uh, DeBrusque, McAvoy, Marshawn, Chara. All yeah. guys like to throw the body around. And Bergeron even can chime in once yeah. in a while when he wants to. Right? Bergeron's one of the Bruins that I don't mind. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. lie. Uh, so speaking of that Columbus game tonight, obviously kind of a quick turnaround for the Leafs, uh, even though it is a home game, you know, from Saturday to Monday, got to get right back into it. Nice win. Okay. Let's see it again against Columbus tonight. A team who's, you know, only has eight points. They're three, three and two. They're fifth in the Metro. Um, you know, Dubois is leading them. He's got three goals. Um, but nothing really to freak out about it. This isn't a Boston coming into town. This isn't a Tampa. This isn't a Washington, not a Pittsburgh. These aren't teams who not really marquee matchups, not really scary matchups, but I think with these kind of teams, they're the ones that'll get you. And I think Columbus is definitely feeling, uh, last year's free agency. They had a bunch of guys. You've got Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, and although Bobrovsky's had his struggles in Florida, I feel like they're still, still missing Bobrovsky. him in Columbus. He's, He's still, still Bobrovsky at the end of the day, and they're not the same team. So, as you mentioned, yeah, kind of a different game, different game plan for the Leafs. Got a bit of a, I want to say, uh, overrated team. Maybe they are just because of last year's image yeah. of them. But they're not the same team they were. And if you're a Leafs fan, you want them to come in there and blow them out of the water. But at the same time, I don't think they will. We, we mentioned uh, this is a trap game tonight. I think. Yeah. Well, the, these are the games that they have to win. Yeah. Like, the, obviously, the marquee matchups, like, can win some, lose some. It's not going to kill you too much as long as you put up a fight. But these are the games that, in order to rack up the wins and put yourself into a playoff position, you have to beat teams like Columbus. Yeah, and these you are have the to ga- beat Detroit. These are the games that you look at, at the end of the season where uh, a team finishes one point ahead of you, and you're like, oh, we need to win one more game. This is one of those games. Yeah. And obviously, there's a lot of those games, except for literally every single game. But... With everything we just mentioned about the Columbus Blue Jackets, this is one that, if you're a Leaf fan, you'd look back on. Mm-hmm. And elite teams win games like this, right? Elite teams don't take these nights off. They'll beat the the big, they'll win the big game on Saturday night, but they'll come back on the Monday and win that game too, yeah. or at least put up a fight. Yeah, and I think we 100% still have that team, even with Tavares out. Like, if you look at the town, we have Matthews, Marner, Riley, mm-hmm. Tyson Berry. Like, we, like the, the, yeah. the, the depth of the Leafs goes so far logically, on paper, there's no way we should lose this game. Unfortunately, it is the Leafs, and well, I'm very confident that we will win tonight. I'm a big Leafs fan. I have been since I was born. It's still, I'm still worried. Mm-hmm. I'm still worried about games like this. I mean, obviously, like, when we play teams like the Blue Jackets, the Panthers, like, these are not elite teams, but we have to beat them. Yeah. Like, Puck's when, the when same it, size, still the same amount of points you can get from the game. Exactly. And w- wins don't hurt. No, never do. Um, So is there one player that you guys, I'll start this, there's one player that you guys are kind of looking at specifically to step up in the captain's absence and maybe kind of take the captain's role a little bit. For me, it's number 34, Austin Matthews. I was going to say the same thing. I I was going to say the same thing as well. (laughs) Well, I guess we can go around the table, Austin Matthews. Because this is a guy who, and I'm going to say something here, and it might piss everyone off, it might piss both of you guys off, he takes breaks. He'll take, he'll have a period where he'll just kind of glide around and it won't be a big deal. He'll come back in the third period, though, and have two snipes. And he'll have two goals and three points on the night. It'll look great, and he is a great player, and there's a lot of moments where he looks like the best player on the ice, but I just want to see that more. And I want to see... I know he's leading the the team in goals, I get it, but I just want to see him absolutely take over the way like a a Kopitar, a Backstrom, a Crosby, a Kane, this echelon that he's getting paid to perform like he needs to be like. No, you, you mentioned, like, uh, in terms of his consistency, a lot of people are calling him Mr. October. 
What about the other months? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, there's a lot of different uh, factors that weigh in. Yeah, no, I think he definitely needs to step up. I mean, like, I think he has the potential to be a leader of this team. I mean, I didn't, I don't think that he should have got the captaincy. Honestly, I wanted it to go to Morgan Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, just personal opinion. John Tavares is a great captain. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he captained the Islanders. Uh, he's John Tavares. Like everyone knows him. He, everyone knows his pedigree. He's an incredible talent. But this is a time where, yeah, when you're right, when your captain's out, Austin Matthews has got to step up a little bit. And I want to see some, not so much the leadership role, but you know, yeah, exactly. And that pretty much sums it up. Uh, well, now we're going to transition sports. We're going to talk about the World Series, which was just decided a few days ago as the Astros beat the Yankees in walk-off fashion, thanks to Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve. And they're going <laughs> to and they're gonna play the Nats, who I think is a surprise team to everybody. Um, starting pitching is going to be insane. What do you guys think about this series yeah. just in general? <laughs> it's going to be an incredible series. I can't wait to watch it. I mean, the Nats, obviously, is the first World Series ever. Uh, yes, their I believe, first, yeah. I believe it's their first appearance and it would be their first ever win if they got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe it's their first appearance. Yeah. Pitching's incredible. Um, I'm going to still give the edge to Houston in six games, but Washington, don't count Washington out. I mean, like they, I mean, like the Cardinals were kind of in disarray. They weren't the, the, the top prospect team that we all hoped they were going to be, but mm-hmm. I mean, the, Na- the Nationals dismantled them like without even a problem. And I think if they can keep that up. I wonder, too, with this Nationals team, you mentioned the never count them out. That's kind of like their motto this year. I mean, they were in the wildcard game. We were watching in your kitchen, Zach. I mean, they were that close. They were so close to being out and not even being in relevance. Yeah, to a Brewers team without Yelich. Exactly. A Brewers team that was really undeserving. Sorry, Drew Frank, if you're listening, but (laughs) the Brewers really weren't... Uh, that level, but they almost took them out. You the Nationals come back, and then against the Dodgers, completely surprised them in Game 5. Again, never count them out. Howie Kendricks, their NLCS MVP, a guy who was counted out at the beginning of this year. So just up and down. I mean, this Nationals team, they really are a Cinderella story. Despite having a really good year and having an MVP candidate in Anthony Rendon on their team, uh, and that pitching staff, that could be the difference. That's, if, that's what I was going to say. I think pitching staff is definitely the... Uh... I don't know what the term is. That's definitely going to be the the, the deciding factor of this X series. Factor, the yeah. X factor, yeah. Because obviously we don't need to talk more about Verlander and Garrett Cole. Their stats speak for themselves. But what about Scherzer and Strasburg? It's going to be whichever starting pitcher uh, just comes out on top. And yeah. you got guys on both sides who can hit. Uh, their lineups are both in pitching, decent shape. Pitching will decide the series. 100%. Exactly. And they got both teams have strong middle parts of the order. So it's I think it is the pitching versus the middle part of the order. Just that battle, mm-hmm. that's going to be probably the most interesting factor for me in this World Series. And yeah. if he, Washington's bullpen can keep up with Houston's bullpen. Because yeah. Houston's bullpen is unreal. From you know Presley all the way to uh, Smith, all the way to Osuna closing it out, former Jay. I think that if, if Washington wants to hold up here, they've got to keep pace with that bullpen and be able to tackle that bullpen right you need guys like Anthony Rendon to get some clutch hits especially late in the game uh, like they've done all season that's why they're here so if they're not hitting against the bullpen it's I don't even think this will be a contest to be honest with you Yeah, but you also have to take in that the uh the Nats were in the bottom five of the league uh like nearing the middle of the season or like a third way through the season and all of a sudden they put up an insane record ever since then Mm -hmm. so you look at their overall record and you look at their overall teams and be like you know what what's this national team's all about but taking the battle they had to go through just to even get to where they are 
So this national team, if you look at them from their second half of the season, very good team, probably one of the top in the league. So I think it's the two best teams going at it in the World Series, as it should be. Well, I just found the stat here, courtesy of ESPN. Uh, for the first time in World Series history, five of the top ten pitchers and strikeouts in the regular season are in the World Series. Cole, Verlander are number one and two. And then you've got Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin, uh, who are also in the top ten. So you've got five of the top ten guys who throw the most strikeouts in the regular season are mm-hmm. in the World Series. Like That is <clears throat> yeah. awesome. And against these, both lineups are pretty good, too. You've got MVP, MVP candidates on both sides, Silver Slugger candidates on both sides. This this a lot of firepower here for sure, and some good storylines too. You've got Houston who can cement themselves as a legendary franchise, potentially on the verge of a dynasty here with a World Series win. That'd be two in three years uh, and three straight hundred win seasons. Like that's yeah. that's not Yankees echelon, but we're getting there. Well, and, the, and, the, and there's no sign of them stopping here no. either. Even if they lose to the Nationals, you can guarantee they're going to be back somewhat, hopefully to the World Series. That's what they obviously what they're going to want, but. Either way, I can't see a season next year ending with Houston not in the top four teams. It also oh, depends absolutely. on, uh, like, yes, I totally agree. They are going to be a top four team. Are they going to be a World Series favorite? I feel like a lot of that has to do with free agency. You have guys like Garrett Cole yeah. who are on the verge of going to free agency. And with the numbers he put up, did he go, uh, his 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 starting line, His he was undefeated in the, yeah. in the season. Yeah, he didn't lose a single game. I don't think he did. So that's, that's massive. That's a huge blow if... Uh, they lose him, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the World Series, and I mean, if they win the World Series, Cole might stay. He might stick around exactly, for another year. Yeah, you think Cole's got a shot of coming to Toronto? I don't. Toronto, no. Uh, it's I think it's such a you've kind fantasy. of been beating, you've been beating that drum a little bit though, Zach. I have been. It's one of those things where it's like tw- like fifteen twenty percent, mm-hmm. but that's enough to get a Toronto uh, enthusiast. Yeah, the Toronto hope. That's what yeah, we have here. I mean, exactly. You like, have Toronto- the other- because we never get free agents. Never. Like, like if you're like if you're a Toronto fan, you never like you, well, you don't you don't expect it. Especially no. in baseball. Yeah, you don't expect it. So if there's a fifteen percent chance, you're hopping on it. But again, I mean, even basketball, like Kawhi coming was like the first huge free agency signing. Well, yeah, yeah it was a was, trade. sorry, it wasn't even a free. It would have it been the first one if yeah. they signed him. Yeah, and it didn't even happen. I mean, one I think for the Jays, the biggest fish they've got is. Kendris Morales? <laughs> no, they've had bigger ones than that. I can't even think of a guy. Morales was big, but... Morales was, yeah. I no, mean, it would not be on the level of Garrett But Cole. that's also in context no. to losing Edwin. Yeah, that's true. So, Which I think more people were mad pissed about. about. I'm yeah. trying to think of a Jay who they've signed a free agency, but I can't even think of one. So I guess well, th- that there you go. kind of proves the argument. That just kind of proves the argument. Um, want to talk about this a little bit. So Washington, I mean, what it would mean for them, it'd be similar to... Not quite similar to the Cubs a couple years ago, but kind of on par just in terms of be just under that. Yeah, because they they're not cursed per se, but they it's just a lack of success exactly, and they haven't won the World Series before. It'd be big for even Expos fans. Technically, it's the same yeah. franchise. And uh, ever since the Expos moved to Washington in that kind of era around like two thousand four, two thousand five, they were always on the verge of being a good team, but they never quite got there. Had a bit of a recession. Now they're back, and yeah, I think. Expos fans, Montreal fans are going to be cheering for the Nationals because it's kind of like their baby, you know? And they've had so much talent on that team. And I wonder how Bryce Harper feels today. Leaving yeah. leaving to go to Philly, the rival. Now well, he's got he, 330 he got, in the bank. He got asked about it, and he was like, no, I'm more than happy for them, stuff like that. Yeah. Is he actually happy? We don't know. We Obviously, we can't read his mind, but... Yeah, but also you have to look at it like... 
if Bryce Harper is on the team, that changes the dynamic of certain games, certain games, different outcomes, standings. No, yada, I feel, yada, I feel like they wouldn't make the World Series. Yeah, if they it's still a, it's a different Harper. team without him, right? Because who knows? Maybe like like Anthony Rendon had a huge step up this year. He was always one of their better players, but now he has emerged. And now, like you said earlier, Jackson, he's a MVP candidate for the National League. Same so. thing with Kawhi and the Raptors. Yeah. Kawhi leaving doesn't eliminate the Raptors. We still have a ton of talent. Same exactly. thing with the Nationals and Bryce Harper. Okay, they lost Harper. Is still the Washington Nationals. And like baseball you said. is way more of a team game and, yeah, than basketball. It, it, Everyone needs to perform to do well. So if you're if you're good from top to bottom, you're in a lot better shape. And right now it seems that the Nats yeah. have just a well-rounded team. And the yeah. theme of today's show has been, sorry to cut you off there, just no, right. stepping up, right? Stepping up in the to fill that void. And the Nationals have done an incredible job in filling Bryce Harper's void. And you hear things like, well, Harper's not the greatest in the room. We've seen him fight with people in the <laughs> dugout. He had that big fight with Papelbon a couple yeah. of years ago. That was crazy. Um, so I think that with Harper leaving, it changes the dynamic, but I don't think he feels that bad because he's got $330 million in the bank. He's got another 12 years on his contract. He lives in Vegas. He's got he's married now. Like I I think I don't think baseball is everything to him. I really don't. No, and especially not at this point. No. Yeah. He's already he's already proved he's an elite player. He's already he got an MVP. Yeah. I think right? he's also know. proved that he's like one of the more arrogant players in yeah. the league. So almost like, of all time. Yeah. One of the biggest characters for sure, definitely is 100%. a hothead. And I just think he cares about himself. He might be happy with the team, sure, but um I don't think He's kicking himself too much no, for not probably. being there. And Definitely the not. best part about this World Series is, of course, that the Yankees aren't in it. The Able <laughs> Empire is out, and uh, the Yankees are not part of it once again. They haven't won a World Series since 2009. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you didn't know, this is the first time the Yankees have not made a World Series in a decade. That's cool. That's crazy, though. I, from 2010 to 2019, this is the first time the Yankees have not appeared in a World Series. Wow. I feel like... That is more of a positive stat than it is a negative one when you look at the Yankees franchise. Well, what it shows is that there's massive disappointment this decade. Yeah. And it yeah. means that they've obviously done something wrong this decade. I mean, however, you have to look. Next year, I expect them to be in the top four as well. Yeah. I mean, like they, they, they are an incredibly good team. They Houston did overpower them. I don't think the Yankees really ever had a chance in that series. Sorry, the Yankees fans, but Houston was the favorite and Houston was the better team. And what if they add Garrett? Like, what if the Yankees add Garrett Cole? We know they're willing to spend money, and after this year, they're probably going to be willing to spend even more money. What if, what if they decide to steal Garrett Cole? Wouldn't I mean, if they crazy? came this close this year, why not? Right. And so, that, and that was their issue with starting pitching. So, yeah. I believe a lot of it is shoulda, woulda, couldas. There's a lot of factors to play. And again, and we're not going to know until we see it. But uh, just uh, quickly, your guys' uh, prediction. Uh, I have Astros in six. Houston in six. I got Nats in seven. Whoa. Whoa. So there we go. That's Big the man. baseball. And we're actually going to transition over to the Ryerson Rams recap. Jackson, take it away. So men's hockey, all right. Toronto team, Toronto rivalries over the weekend. Uh, on Friday, they beat York 2-1. And then on Saturday, they lost to UFT 6-5 and OT. And they're going to head on the road. They're going to go out to London and play Western on Friday. Yes, the women's hockey team also kicking around. They beat Ontario Tech 4-2 on Friday, and then the next day lost 2-1 against Queens on the Saturday, and they are going to play U of T at home at the Miami Athletic Center on this Wednesday. Speaking of home cooking, the men's basketball team kicks off their regular season play this Thursday at home versus York, and it's their first game under Borko Popic, the brand-new head coach in the wake of Roy Rana leaving to go to the NBA. Speaking of getting underway, women's basketball also kicks off this week against uh, York 
at the Madame Athletic Center. Lots of homecoming games. Yeah, and then men's soccer uh, has actually wrapped up this year. They finished 10-2-2, two and, two, and they'll play Saturday against a to-be-determined opponent coming into playoff play. Yeah, and the women's soccer also wrapping up the end of their season. They'll play Nipissing this Wednesday in North Bay, and they are currently 5-6-3 on the season. And of course, we can't forget men's baseball. We covered it all year, or helped try to cover it all year. They finished their season this past week. They went 2-1 in the group stage in the playoffs in the OEA Championships to win their pool. Um, and they had actually advanced to the wildcard match, but they lost to Mac in a score, get this, 23-13, to resulting in their elimination. It's a baseball game? Yeah, that was that a baseball game. That is a university baseball game. Sounds like football, right? But it yeah. Like, it's more than the San Francisco, um, was it San Francisco? Who did they beat 9 nothing? Oh, uh, ooh, is it? I forget who it was, but yeah, yeah, I saw they won nine nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's more. Of it. Only three field goals. Yeah, that's what a boring game. Talk about a boring game. Well, yeah, no. that the Mac game obviously wasn't a very boring game. Let's hope some World Series games can maybe get that crazy. Although they'd be about six hours long if that were the case. Yeah, I'd be okay. And you know, Ryerson Rams baseball had a good run. Best you know, season ever. Best season ever for the Ryerson Rams. Hey, you cannot knock that at all. And winning their pool, huge statement. Uh, you know beat Guelph in the, in the round robin stages so Guelph is a top tier team they actually won it I believe so yeah and you wonder if that can oh yeah Guelph I mean they actually it's funny Ryerson actually beat Guelph in the group stage yeah, I say, yeah. Um, but Braden Walsh young guy you know he wins a championship in his very first year with Guelph be interested to see what he'll do uh, in the next three years or so but I think this could actually help Ryerson's recruiting I mean now with their baseball team losing a lot of veterans they're gonna have some space um, so I wonder maybe if they can go out and, and get some of these top caliber guys, because why not? Why not, you know, get a free ride to university, live in the best city in Canada and just play baseball? Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, it's a good sales pitch. Yeah, we're nearing the end of our show. We would like to thank Mr. Josiah Bach for coming in. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. And the, the third analyst on the crew. Uh, Jackson, any closing words? Yeah, excited for the uh, Leafs game tonight. Should be exciting. Again, we were talking about earlier today. Interesting to see what they can do. Not a must-win, but you'd like to see it. If you're a good team, you get this win tonight. Obviously, wraps tomorrow. No Zion, which kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, you'll take what you can get. Yeah, it's been a good show. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting. You've been listening to The Finch and the Pharaoh on Spirit Live.